the book of Joshua. We're going to go to the book of Joshua, if you would join me there. Joshua uh, chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5. To all of you who have been traveling, welcome home. We're so glad that you're home, and I pray that you had the merriest of Christmas and a beautiful holiday together with your families and whoever you chose to spend the holiday with. I'm so very grateful that we have the opportunity to be together tonight. We are uh, going live uh, here this evening to uh, put our preaching online. I know there's still some that are at home, and uh, if you happen to be watching online tonight and wondering what in the world I did to run off all these people and move into a home missions church, <laughs> we're, we're actually just letting you see a different part of this building than you ever see online, so... Uh, we are in our fellowship hall tonight meeting to have church, and there's no place that I would rather be than right here in the house of the Lord with God's precious people. Amen? Amen. Amen. So uh, in Joshua chapter 5, we are, uh, we're entering into a new season where the children of Israel are crossing over the Jordan River, and they are moving into possess the land. And in doing this, I just want to draw from a small portion of text in the fifth chapter and the 11th verse. If you would join me in Joshua 5 and verse 11, the scripture says to us in Joshua chapter 5 and verse number 11, and they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover unleavened cakes and parched corn in the self same day verse 12 and the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land neither had the children of Israel manna anymore everybody say manna anymore but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year they ate of the fruit of Canaan that year. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but as the captain of the host of the Lord, I am now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord? Unto his servant. And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Let the church say amen to the reading of the word of God. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. With the help of the Lord for the next few minutes, I want to preach to you from a really simple thought. But I want to preach to you when God changes the menu. When God changes the menu. This is a season that has been so powerful in the history of the children of Israel. The Exodus account is absolutely astounding to me when I read how God takes care of his people. Now if you go back through history and you start reading while the children of Israel were in Egypt. They were there serving under the, uh, the taskmasters of Egypt. And the Bible tells us that while they were in Egypt, they never had a need. 
that even when the plagues came through Egypt, the Bible tells us that all of Egypt was dark except there was light in Goshen. It was the place that God had prepared for his children that when everybody else was hungry, God's people were being fed. It was a place that when it was dark everywhere else, God's people had light. I don't know if you've picked up on this yet or not, but God takes care of his people. I don't know if you figured this out yet or not, but being in the kingdom of God's a good place to be. And being a child of God is a wonderful place to be. God takes care of his people. God takes care of his children. And so even while they're in Egypt, God was taking care of them. And God, even though they, they bore the burdens of Egypt and they worked so very hard, the Bible said that the hand of God was upon them. So much so that this Pharaoh who came in that did not know Joseph, and it was just a whole different world, but this Pharaoh came in, and the Bible said that God's children were so blessed, even in Egypt, that this Pharaoh sat up one night in his courts, and he said, I feel like I'm losing control of Egypt. Now, I've heard of a lot of preachers through the years that have said because the world came in that they were losing control of their church. But I want you to imagine an ecosystem so powerful and so strong that the world sits up and takes note and says, I feel like I'm losing control of Egypt. God's people are so abundantly blessed that I feel he went to all of his counselors and his mighty men and he said, I don't know if you boys have noticed or not, but these people are growing. These people are blessed. These people have something on them that we don't have. And he said, if we don't start oppressing them more, this thing's going to get out of control and we're going to lose it. But that was the plan of the enemy. The enemy's plan was oppress them. The enemy's plan was hold them down. The enemy's plan was squash their dreams. The enemy's plan was take their hope away. But if you pick up your Bible and you start reading, your Bible said that the more they oppressed them, the more they grew. The more pressure they put on them, the more God blessed them. The more the enemy tried to defeat them, the more God gave them victory. The more the enemy tried to take them they were defeated God started showing them I am with you and my hand is on you yes right here in the middle of Egypt God is going to bless you hey I want to tell you something tonight church God's not waiting on us to get to heaven to bless us God's not waiting on us to possess the promised land for us to be blessed it's a good life living for the Lord It's a good life living for the Lord. I'd rather live for God in Egypt and walk in the bountiful blessings of God than I would to join the party just because it looks like they have bigger and better and more powerful things. Listen, I thank God that he has a way of letting the enemy know who's in charge. I thank God that he has a way of letting the devil know you don't set the times and you don't set the dates and you don't run the calendar and you don't decide when people are blessed. I know that the devil's been wanting you to believe that you're not blessed and I know the devil wants you to believe that it's not. I mean, look at our church tonight. What are we going to do, Pastor, when we walked in here? There's drywall dust and it's dirty and oh my God, you can see 
into the sanctuary. What are we going to do? Hey, the enemy don't set the date. The enemy doesn't decide when we get blessed. I want to tell you, it may not look like a blessing, but God is in a blessing this church. God's blessing this church. We've been blessed. God's been good to us. He's been good to us. So the scripture said that the more they oppressed him, the more they grew. The more he pushed down on them, the more God raised them up. I know it's hard for us to buy into this, but we got to learn to give God thanks when it's tough. I say it all the time. People, people were picking at me. I said it online. The other, I say this all the time. But there's no telling what God's going to do. Are you, I know it sounds country. It's just a good old country faith, but I'm, there's no telling what God is going to do. There's just no telling what God's going to do in your family this year. There's no telling what God's going to do in this church this year. There's no telling what God's going to do on your job this year. I feel faith in my spirit tonight. I wish somebody would believe what I'm telling you. There is no telling what God is going to do. But one thing you can guarantee, Pharaoh, you need to know, you're not the one that sets up and tears down. God does that. You're not. <laughs> you, you can trace this story back as far as you want to, and there's power in the principle that when, when Joseph's brothers thought that they were controlling this thing and they were going to manipulate this thing and they were going to tell their father that he was dead, they, boy, they really thought when they took that bloody coat back that they had, they had it all rigged up. But what they didn't know, they thought they were controlling the narrative, but God took that boy that, that was abandoned by his brothers and lifted him up out of a pit and took him to a palace. It's a process that you've got to go through. If God would have told Joseph that he was going to elevate him to a palace, then Joseph would have gave up faith in the pit. If God would have told him that he was going to the palace, then he probably would have gave up hope in the prison. But I want you to understand that every pit you've lived in and every single prison that you've walked through, it was the will of God and elevation is coming and God is going to bless his people. The Oh, my, my. It wasn't Joseph's brothers that put him in that prison. And it wasn't Pharaoh that put him in that prison. And it wasn't Potiphar that put him in that prison. It was God that let him walk in there. It was God that gave him favor with the butler and the baker. Now, I'm not so shallow-minded to believe that every little thing that happens in life that God did that. You understand what I'm saying? God didn't pick him up and throw him in prison, but God gave him favor in the prison that he was in. God, God doesn't bust water pipes. You understand what I'm saying? God, 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 doesn't, God doesn't bust water pipes, and God, God doesn't, uh, he, he doesn't work in the business of man, manipulation. That's not what God does. God works in the business of taking something that the enemy wished they could get the credit for and saying, nope. You don't have the power to take away the blessing. Can I tell you tonight, church, there's not a devil in hell that has the power to take away the blessing that's on this church. It doesn't matter what devil starts trying. I don't care what witch gets in there jumping in trying to do that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who tries to curse God's people. We are blessed and we are God's people and his hand is on us and we give him praise for it tonight. Give him praise for it tonight. And so God leads them through and I wish, I wish tonight that 
there was a way that we could just understand the power of this principle of how it was that God had his hand on them in Egypt and God had his hand on them at the Red Sea. How many of you are following what I'm telling you tonight? Just because the circumstance changed and the landscape changed and it looked a little different didn't mean God had changed. They woke up for over 400 years praying in Egypt every morning. The first morning out in the wilderness they woke up and said this looks different. But then there was a familiar spirit that came upon them as they began to pray unto the Lord and they realized the power is not in where I'm standing. The power is in who's standing here with me. Is there anybody in this room tonight that has been through some things in the last year that you're going to be glad to see it pass? That's the truth. Some of us are going to wake up to new landscape in the coming year. Job that you thought you would have forever, you may lose that job. And you may be worried when you lose that job that God has finally done it. He has finally failed. Oh. Lord, here we are in a new year, and we, oh, Lord, if we've ever needed it, we need it now, and you, you let me lose my job. Well, as long as you walk around talking about the landscape of what it looks like, come on, somebody. God, I can't believe you let this happen. I wonder what would happen if we would start shifting our faith around a little bit instead of saying, God, I can't believe you let this happen. I wonder what would happen if we'd start saying, God, I thank you. I don't know what you're doing, but you're up to something. Lord, I can't, I can't believe I lost that job, but I can't wait to see the job that you're about to bless me with. Come on, I've come to tell somebody that's discouraged tonight. God hasn't forsaken you because the landscape looks different. But when God begins to take people to new levels, you must understand that when God does a new thing, old things have to disappear. Oh, my, 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 my. We could preach it from a salvific standpoint. That's what salvation does. Salvation doesn't let us stay in our current condition and be blessed by God. It takes us out of where we are and moves us into more of a likeness of God. If you believe that, say amen. amen. He doesn't save us in our sin. He saves us from our sin. Why didn't he just bless him in Egypt? Because the plan was to come out. The plan was to come out, and as they come out, it's their first night in new landscape, and they come to a dead end. Now, this is, this is easy to preach. It's tough to live, but when they come walking out and they think, oh, dear God, sweet deliverance has come, they come to a dead end that's way bigger than they are, and they don't know what they're going to do. Because now they've got a, a Red Sea in front of them. And they've got an enemy that's behind them. And they've got a knee-knocking preacher standing up there in front of them saying, Oh, what am I going to do? And the Lord looks at Moses and says to him, Everything you have is insufficient. I can't work with what you've got. You might as well quit. Just turn around and go back. This Red Sea is bigger than you. Just quit believing. Just stop. Moses said, Lord, what shall I do? He said, look at what's in your hand. He said, what's in my hand? He said, Lord, all I have is a rod. He said, then take now the rod that's in thy hand. 
Well, there's, there's no, I, I can't do anything. No, you're missing it. God doesn't want you to do anything with it. God's about to do something with what you've already, you may not even know how God's going to do it, but when you give God what you've got, you're going to see God do some amazing things. Come on, bump your neighbor and tell him, wake up, pastor's preaching to you. You're going to look at what you have and say, there's no way. There. Now, God, I want to tell you something. I'm not sure if you know this or not. But this stick ain't going to do nothing for a Red Sea. Aren't we something how we tell God? He said, son, what you've got in your hand with me and what you've already got, there is plenty for me to do what no other power can do. God doesn't want to know how sufficient what we have is. He wants us to know how sufficient he is with what we have. Come on now. God wants us to understand tonight that he didn't wake up surprised this morning. God didn't wake up scratching his head this morning. God didn't wake up saying, what am I going to do this morning? God's got it all in control. So as we go into a new year and we're preparing our hearts this weekend for communion and foot washing, it's going to be a powerful weekend at FPC. I just want to tell you that before we get to Saturday night communion service, you need to write eviction notices to every bit of worry that's in your life of how God's going to do it and when God's going to do it and how God's going to listen somebody needs to hear me tonight we're not going to carry worry into communion this weekend we're not going to carry fear into communion this weekend we're going to walk into communion saying God I don't know how you're going to do it but I can't wait to see your work I don't know how you're going to make it happen but I can't wait to see your power So they leave behind Egypt and they stand before a Red Sea. But when, when Moses stretches forth, it wasn't, it wasn't even the rod that was in his hand. It was the obedience that was in his spirit. And he stretched forth his hand across that water. And the Bible said that it parted. But listen, as they start to walk into the miracle, some began to look behind them. And as they looked behind them, they realized that even though the waters had parted, that their enemy was coming up on them faster than they could get across the Red Sea. And so some of them, I'm certain, began to worry that how is it that God is going to do a miracle and bring us this far? But those that are still in the back of the party, I mean, these Egyptians are not happy. We we see the dust of their wheels coming right now. They're closer than we ever imagined. What are we going to do? Now, the ones that are out front, God always blesses them. But what about us that are stuck back here in the back? Come on, somebody in the cheap seat, say amen. <laughs> What about us that are stuck back here in the back? The Egyptians are going to kill our friends. They're, they're going to get them. And somebody looks up and says, would you look at that cloud that's moving from in front of us right now? And it begins to move and it works behind them. And the Bible said that God took that cloud and put it between them and their enemy that was pursuing them. And the Bible said they couldn't see their enemy and their enemy could not see them. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that when God moves us somewhere, it is not our responsibility to look over our shoulder. It's our responsibility to walk by faith. It's our responsibility to walk in the place that God has prepared prepared for us God literally made it where they could not see their past 
But there is a comparison spirit that gets on us when times get tough. And it reveals itself right here at the Red Sea. It's so amazing to me that they cross the Red Sea and they get across. And the Bible said that Moses' sister, Miriam, she got to feeling pretty good. So she grabbed all the tambourines, got all the women to dancing. Now, I'm not saying this to be mean tonight, but I got a feeling that Miriam was probably a worrier. And no, I'm not a prophet to say that. She was just a female. And she was worried. She was worried what life was going to be like after 60, Sister Lori. Happy birthday to you. And so the Bible said that God did a mighty work. And the horse and the rider. Somebody say the horse. The horse. And the rider. Did God drown in the water. And so Miriam gets out and she starts to dance with that tambourine. I'm going to have a mini testimony service. I thank God that he delivered us from tambourines. I remember when Bishop Bingham started the extraction process. It was painful. People thought he got rid of them, but he didn't. I don't think we ever told anybody till we changed uh, sanctuaries, Brother McLean. They were all in the old pulpit. There might still be some in there, but I'm not, I'll never tell. Miriam started looking at all the women that was with him and said, hey, get your tambourine out. We've got a reason to give God praise. She started going to her sisters and saying, hey, get in there and all dig in however far you got to dig and all that stuff that you brought was somewhere in that bag. There's a tambourine in there. Come on. Somewhere in that cart that you're dragging with you right there, there's a tambourine. Well, I don't know where mine is. That's the tough people. It's hard to get some folk to worship. You know there's a tambourine in there somewhere. But oh dear God, it'd take a search crew from NASA or something to find their, find their tambourine. But Miriam started taking initiative, said, hey, y'all get in there and find that tambourine. Find it. I don't care how much you got to dig, find that tambourine. Because when our tambourine starts playing, it sounds different than my tambourine by itself. We're, I'm not going to let, you know what Mary was saying, I'm not going to let you get blessed without me getting blessed. I'm not going to let you worship without me worshiping. Do whatever you got to do and find that tambourine. I've come to preach to somebody on this Wednesday night. I don't know how deep your tambourine's buried at the end of 2022, but you need to dig in the bag of blessings of God and pull that tambourine out. We're not going out of this year worried about what God's going to do. We're going to grab our praise and we're going to move into 23 with a praise on our lips, with a dance in our step, with the power of the Holy Ghost before us. It's coming. It's coming. God's going to help us. But folks... You go read your Bible, it said that 36 hours after the dancing. <laughs> it didn't take long. What's the principle, Pastor? This is a process. You, 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 don't, you don't praise God one time and then just wash your hands up and say, well, I gave him praise for it. I know I'm preaching. It got quiet right there. Come on. <laughs> we, we don't just praise him one time. 
Because I want you to watch what happens when people stop dancing and people stop worshiping. Worry takes the place of faith. And worry, worry never moves forward. Worry always moves back to the last place of comfort. But if it was God's will for us to live in comfort, then he wouldn't have told us to walk by faith. Faith's not comfortable. Anybody in here think we could go on a fishing trip together and you got enough faith, I could just say, well, just go ahead and walk on that water right there. Just go ahead and get on out of the boat. Come on now. One of the men that was here working the other night that came in to clean some carpets just to get the smell out so we could have church. He walked up to me and he said, uh, Preacher, apparently God hadn't given you that gift yet. I said, what gift is that, sir? He said, walking on water. <laughs> I was like, we appreciate your comedic act. But we just want this water sucked up out of here if you don't mind. <laughs> God hadn't given me the gift. But I'm going to tell you what I know for sure. If you're going to live for God, you're going to walk in some uncomfortable places. And you, you may even walk in places you've never heard stories. I don't believe Peter had ever heard of anybody ever walking on water. But there was something within him that when he saw Jesus, he said, If it's you, then I want you to bid me to come. Because worry always moves backwards. But faith is always progressing. Faith is always moving forward. Faith is always working. I know that the story is written. The narrative has been transcribed. It's all already done. But I do believe. I, it's just me. And you know how my brain works, but I do believe that if about the time that the people started griping 36 hours after they'd crossed the Red Sea and they start throwing stuff at Moses, well, I guess we're out here to die because there wasn't enough graves in Egypt. You know, you know how to silence that? It's not recorded, but I'm going to tell you how to silence that. About the time they started griping about where God had them, I'm going to tell you what I believe the answer was. I believe if Miriam would have reached in her bag and pulled that tambourine out again, Again, and somebody started speaking doubt she'd start moving that tambourine just a little bit and two or three sisters started getting bold and brave again and people started well how's God going to do it but they'd hear a sound you know what fixes worry when we grab the same praise that when we grab the same praise that brought us here it's going to work it's going to work to get us where we're going Praise, praise is the antidote. It's the antidote for worry. It's the antidote for fear. Praise works. But the Bible said that God brought them through and it was a story. We can't, we can't go there but I, 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 through the whole story. But I, I want to preach a very simple principle to you that's so often overlooked in the Exodus. And I'm almost finished tonight. But the Bible said that God... Allowed them. I've heard people say so many times in my life, Pastor, why does God let us go through these things? If he's so good, then why, why are we here? In other words, why are we in this wilderness? The Bible said that there was a closer way to get from Egypt to the promised land. But God took them the long way. Lest they would see war. He said, I'm going to take them a long ways, a place that's not comfortable, a place that's not 
convenient because I don't want them going to war, getting wounded, and going back to where I brought them from. Sometimes we've got to learn to celebrate that God may be taking us the long way to keep us from something that was going to destroy us if God let us see that, if God let us walk through that. The power of praising God in the place we are is our ability to say, God, you've got this. And even if I don't see the answer and I don't see the finish line, I know you're protecting me from something that would have destroyed me. Hey, can I preach to somebody at the closing of this year? And Don't you worry about where God's got you. You don't know what God's kept you from. This wilderness experience, man, it was so powerful. I, I love to preach it. I've preached it all my life. It's so incredible to me how God keeps his hand on his people in Egypt. He keeps his hand on his people in the wilderness. That pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. Man on the ground. Six days out of the week he provided. And on the sixth day, God gave them a double portion blessing. God protected them and took care of them. And... and uh, the scripture said that for 40 years, 40 years, that's a long time. Now, it's not real long because 40 is not real old. <laughs> Let somebody say shibboleth. <laughs> Matter of fact, come to, come to think of it, you're dismissed. 40 is no time at all. But for 40 years... They got in the routine of getting up every day. And when they would open up their tent flap, the blessings of God would meet them there. Forty years, folks. And when they started complaining about the manna that God had provided for them, he said, all right, I'll blow quail in. He sent quail in. The Bible said they were still picking it out of their teeth. And started complaining while they were picking the blessings of God out of their teeth. And he sustained them, kept the manna, kept the quail, kept the fire, kept the cloud. But when they started possessing promises that they had been told were coming, there was a shift in the mindset of the people. And this is going to be the toughest five-minute closing right here. That I've had in a while, but I, I want to tell you to whom much is given, much is required. God took them from a season of blessing them every time the doors were opened because this was the place of transition where I'm moving you from Egypt into the promised land. And if you want to stay in transition, then I'll feed you manna. Oh, God, I want to get this in your spirit. The Lord's been hammering this in me today. If you want to live in transition, you can expect manna. But if you want to possess promise, you've got to be willing to change the menu. Because the Bible said they ate. There's a reason why it said this, but it said they ate of the old corn. Why did they eat of the old corn? Because the old corn was last year's harvest. But if they were going to walk in and eat next year, it was going to be because they planted and they harvested. Come on now. 
It wasn't anymore about opening up the tent door and saying, oh, thank God, you blessed me. I'm still in transition. You know what, folks? I'm not saying this to be mean tonight, but there's a lot of folks that are going to die in transition. They will never taste of the good things of the promised land because they like being comfortable. And the same people that complained that God made them go through the wilderness got to the place where they loved the wilderness more than they longed for the promise. Woo! Because when you're stuck in transition, sometimes it gets you pats on the back. There's been people saying for years and years and years, well, I believe God's going to heal my spirit. I believe God's going to heal my emotions. I, I believe someday God's going to bring me through this. When? When, when are we going to let God start doing what God wants to do? We're holding on to things and bitterness from this year. Got things in our spirit. Somebody did us wrong. You know, I, I don't know how y'all deal with all this, but I'm just going to tell you. Saturday night's coming. I'm searching my soul this week. <laughs> I may be old-fashioned, Brother Shaw. We talked about this. But I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm old-fashioned about communion. I'm not about to put that blood and body up to my lips. Trying to carry something into the new year just because it got me a little attention in transition. Y'all can be seated. Well, but they did me wrong. Okay, but what has pastor preached all year, this year? I've preached it for probably 12 months this whole year. You can either have victory. Come on, preach it to me now. Or vindication. But when you start wanting victory more than you want to be vindicated, you don't mind when God changes the menu. If we're going to walk into the promises of God in 2023, it's not going to be from the old corn that God blessed us with. It's going to be because somebody gets to planting and somebody gets to plowing, somebody's sowing and somebody's ready to start reaping. Woo! God's blessed us this year. We've had some great growth. It's been a blessing. We've had a great year. God's been faithful to us. But I'm going to tell you, the growth that's coming to us in 2023 is not going to be just residual stuff. This, it's going to be because somebody's walking into this year saying, I'm ready to plant. I'm ready to sow. I'm ready to reap. Hey, I want to ask you all something tonight, and I mean this sincerely. I believe we're running out of time. If we're, ever going, if we're not going to have the revival that we've been promised, and we're not going to have the revival that God has promised this church in 2023, when are we going to have it? If we're not going to have the harvest that we've been preaching and believing for 50 years, when are we going to have it? If we don't have it this year, when are we going to have it? Because I've got a feeling in my soul. Every morning there's something in me that just starts looking towards the eastern sky. I don't know what it is about the current times we're living in, but every day of my life, this feels less and less like home. Come on, this feels less and less like home. I want to see this harvest. I want to, whoo, God. But if we're going to have harvest, we're not going to wake up and it be laying outside the front door of the church. It's going to be the harvest we have because we plant. And God gives the increase. We plant. And Apollos waters. And God gives the increase. I don't know how many of you want it tonight, but I've been telling God for months, I want it more than I've ever wanted it. 
I want to see it more than I've ever wanted to see it. God, I want revival more than I've ever wanted revival. And whatever you've got to do to me, do it. Whatever you've got to take off the menu, change the menu. We're going to pray tonight. I want us to just stand together. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how really to do this tonight, but I, I know that God has put me in this church. And God has put me here as the watchman on the wall in this church and in this city. And I've been asking God. So maybe this is a good time for you to decide if you really want to pray like this or not. But I've been asking God in, in no certain terms that in 2023 that he would start changing the menu for this church. I've been asking God to take some of our little creature comforts away from us in 2023. And isn't it something that when we start praying like that, whatever, just believe it however you want to. But God closes us out in this year showing us you're not in control. I mean, good grief. Just a few nights ago, my family was in here having a Christmas party in this room. Who would have thought then, Lish? Who would have thought after we played that crazy game <laughs> that we'd be having church in here on Wednesday night? But standing where I'm standing and looking at what I'm looking at, Brother Joe, I just believe that we're getting ready to walk into some of the greatest promises that we have ever experienced in this church. I... I <laughs> I believe we're about to walk into some of the most powerful moves that we have ever seen. I stood over here in this corner today praying, and I, I said, Lord, this feels so much like our old church. It just feels like our old church building. I said, God, I want, you to, I want you to visit us in a mighty way, and it's just the way God works with me. He said, you want me to take you back, or you want to move on? I don't really, I, I, don't, I don't mean it in a bad way, but I seem to have been preaching in this vein for quite some time. I'm grateful for what we've seen. But I'm tired of old corn. Come on now. I said, I'm tired of old corn. If you're willing to pray, God, whatever you got to take off the menu, I want you to take it out of my life. Whatever you got to do, if you're willing to pray that, God, whatever you got to remove from me to make me hungry for revival. I'm asking you to start moving it. Come on, this is going, this is going to be a little bit different tonight because I don't have musicians in here to hype you up. God, if I've got to look completely different in 2023 than I looked when I walked in here tonight, if you've got to change the landscape for me, whatever you've got to do to draw me closer to you, God, whatever you've got to do to use me in your kingdom, Lord, Whatever I've been holding on to that you've been trying to get me to walk away from. Come on, church. Woo! I'm asking you to pray and be led by the Spirit tonight. God, what is it you've been trying to pull out from underneath me that I've been holding on to? Because I like, I like that menu. God, I like the way it feels. I believe right now this church is eating on the old corn of things that have been laid up for us. But I'm speaking with a prophetic anointing on me tonight. 
that the old corn is just about to run out. And if we're going to eat from this time forward, it's going to be because we, we put the effort in and we plant the corn and we plant the seed and we sow that seed. I believe that God is transitioning this church to a brand new menu. But if it's going to happen, it's going to be on us. It's going to be we're going to eat what we plant. We're going to harvest what we plant. Come on, where's my planters tonight? Praise the living God. Praise the living God. Praise the living God. I wish somebody would pray in the Holy Ghost tonight. God, whatever you want to do in me, do it in my life. Oh, God, work in my family. If you've got to take it off the menu, God, change the menu. Change the menu, God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Come on, we ought to be shaking this room right now. I worry when things don't move us. I, I, I get worried when the Spirit of God can't move us. Lord, whatever you want to do, do it. God, I don't want you having to work in spite of me. I want you to work through me. God, I want you to work through me. Woo! Hallelujah. Is there anybody in here that'd be willing to lose another hour of rest in the night if the Lord were to wake you up in a spirit of intercession early in the morning? Come on, I'm talking about some old-fashioned things tonight. God, if you want to move me before I go to bed, my family's all gone to bed, but you meet me with an angel in the living room and start speaking. God, I'll be one in this generation. Woo! Shatalabakaye ulamaha.